From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds. On this week's episode, we'll be spending a whole half an hour with liberal political pundit Bill Press. Bill talks to me about current events in the United States, such as Biden's presidency and the issues he faces, what Donald Trump could have done better to win the election in November, and Liz Cheney's oust from her leadership positions in the Republican Party. He also was the co-host of political debate shows such as Crossfire, which aired on CNN. That coming up on News Nerds. I'm your host, Ezra Graham. Let's go now to my interview with Bill Press. Bill is a liberal political pundit, and on this interview, we'll talk about United States current events and his career. is the former co-host of CNN's Crossfire and now is the host of the Bill Press Pod, a podcast that drops twice a week. He joins us now. Welcome, Bill. Hey, it's good to join you, Ezra. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. So you hosted or co-hosted some of these shows like Crossfire with more conservative hosts like Tucker Carlson. What was your experience there going against some of these people that did not agree with you? Well, first of all, uh, Crossfire was the um, first political debate show on television. Um, I think it was the best political debate show on television. Uh, I was only there for six years. Crossfire lasted about 18 years. And I was up against, I think, um, some of the best conservative minds and debaters that the country has known. They included Robert Novak, Pat Buchanan, John Sununu, Mary Madeline, and Tucker Carlson. Um, and I must say that we, we all, and for the time I was there, I was the only host on the left and the others rotated on the right. So I was up against every week a different one of them. Um, but we all became good friends. And those who are still alive, unfortunately we lost Bob Novak, we still are good friends. Um, we are talking on a Monday. Yesterday was Tucker Carlson's birthday and he and I talked, I called to wish him a happy birthday. Um, so we learned that life is too short and the show was too short to let the disagreements over polit politics or policy become personal. Um, so we would debate the issues aggressively <laughs> uh, and strongly uh, and express our points of view and try to convince the other or the guests of our point of view. But then when the show was over, we went out and had a beer and, or had dinner and had a good time. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. I, I was just going back and reading some of the old transcripts um, in the early 2000s of, um, 
of Crossfire and other of the other shows that you were in against these conservative hosts. And it's a quite um, uh, a peaceful conversation. There's not very much, um, there's not no yelling or anything. It's, I think it's a great way to debate things just peacefully. And that's something that we have more, uh, less and less of now, but I think that was a, a great uh, thing for you guys to do. And uh, getting into opinionated news, there's now sources like Newsmax and um, more liberal sources of news like CNN and NBC um, that are really swaying the, the public's vote and their decisions on these different matters. How do you think that is and how can the news media uh, inform the public and also kind of sway the public? Well, I, I regret the direction the media has gone in many, in many ways. Uh, let me say, when I started doing talk radio, there was something called the fairness doctrine. Check that out. Ronald Reagan got rid of it, which I think was a big mistake. The fairness doctrine required that radio and television stations give a, reflect the community that they served. So they could not be all conservative or all liberal. They had to present a mix of opinions. So when, again, when I started talk radio, there were talk show hosts on the right and talk show hosts on the left. Some talk show hosts were in the middle. You didn't know where they stood on the issues, but that was all on the same station during the day. So if you listen to that station all day long, you would hear every different point of view. The Fairness Doctrine, Ronald Reagan destroyed it. He got rid of it. And ever since then, you have radio stations that are 100% conservative, radio stations and television stations that are 100% liberal or lefty, and very, very few that are in the middle and present, present a, a mix of people. And so consequently, you have people who never hear anything that they disagree with. They, they only tune in to hear people that they agree with, which I, that way to me, they're not learning anything and people are not being informed. Um, I wish we could get back to the day when um, you, you had a mix of opinion. In terms of news people, I think that news people should report the news period and not give their opinions. And for people who are giving their opinions, I, should, I think there should be a mix on every platform for people who like me are on the left, people like Tucker who are on the right, and then let the American people decide. The way it is now, it's, um, it's all one side or the other, and I don't think that's good for America. So you've covered many presidents and what they've been doing policy-wise and you know, elections and all that kind of stuff. You've also covered President Trump um, and you've you've done a lot of shows about him how do previous presidents compare to his leadership uh let me just say this is and by the way so among journalists i have i was never a reporter okay i started as a commentator i started as a, a person who gives his opinions when i started on, on television my very first job so I've always been in the category of opinion journalist, right? So, so what I'm, I, I mentioned that because I'm gonna give you my opinion. That's what you asked for, right? Um, that's my job. 
I get paid for giving my opinion, by the way. It's a great job because everybody has opinions. The difference is I get paid for expressing my opinions, which is great. So having said that, I think Donald Trump is the worst president America has ever had in the Oval Office. Absolutely the worst. I think he had zero qualifications for the job. Um, I am stunned that we survived four years of this man in the White House. I don't think we could have survived another four years. I think he was totally unqualified in every aspect. Uh, that all he cared about was himself. I don't want to go on and on and on, but I say that because I would contrast him with everybody else. The presidents, Ronald Reagan was president when I started in journalism. I think every president, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, I mean, uh, so who am I forgetting here? But um, even Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, his father, Barack Obama, and now Joe Biden. The one character that all of them had is they each did what they thought was best for this country. I may not agree with it, but it was what they thought was best for the country. They all had the country first, not themselves first, like Donald Trump. So um, I, I'll tell you, I disagreed with uh, George W. Bush on the Iraq war, for example, but he's a good man and he did some good things. He was right on immigration. I was disappointed in, I supported Barack Obama. I was disappointed in some of the things that he did, but he always did what he thought was right for the country. And it's the same with Joe Biden. Uh, I say it's the same Republican or Democrat. Uh, I admire every one of those uh, men I mentioned, even though I didn't vote for all of them. And every one of them was a better president. Every one of them did more for this country than Donald Trump did. So I should just clarify, after you've talked about that a little bit, um, that you are what is called a uh, political pundit. So that means that you give your opinions um, and to the public instead of what a journalist does and reports for various news organizations. So right. there's been the COVID pandemic um, now into its second year. If there had not been a pandemic, do you think former President Trump's approval ratings would have been higher in November when he was up against Joe Biden? I think Donald Trump would have been reelected if it were not for the COVID pandemic. Uh, I think the, the biggest strike against him was that he did not take the pandemic seriously. He saw it as a threat to his personal glory and his presidency. He felt that if he admitted something like this, remember he said once, we're never going to let this happen in the United States. It's not going to happen. There's only one case. Then he said, well, maybe 15 will die. He dismissed it and it backfired on him. And I think because again, he saw it that if people knew that a, a disease like that could sweep this country then they would think less of him. Where, when in fact, if he had taken seriously, it's the pandemic seriously and shown leadership and told people right away, this is the threat we all have to face together. We have to come together to fight this common enemy. We've got to wear masks. We got to get vaccinated. We got to get tested. If he had shown that leadership, I think the country would have rallied behind him the way they rally behind any president in a time of crisis and he would have been reelected. 
He failed to take it seriously, and he paid the price. He lost the election. Do you think that Trump's daily coronavirus press conferences that actually weren't daily into the, into the <laughs> later parts of the pandemic, did, do you think that they informed the public? They were a disaster. Uh, I attended a couple of them at the White House. I'm part of the White House press corps. I uh, asked the president a question at one of them. And that was a time again where the country was looking for leadership. The country was tuning in to, f to get the facts. And instead, they got a bunch of lies. They got lies like sunshine. Once, once the sun starts shining, once we get to warmer weather, this is going to disappear. They got lies like um, this is no worse than the flu. They got lies like if you swallow bleach or Clorox, maybe this could go away. Uh, it, was, it was very frightening. And um, I think, again, that's where he could, have, he could have won the election in 2020 at those news conferences at the White House. And instead, he hurt himself and destroyed his chances of getting reelected by not telling the truth to the American people. In the end, and uh, you know, we could talk about Liz Cheney, but in the end, the truth is what carries the day. The, the lies may, in the short term, the lies may work, but in the end, it's the truth that the American people want to hear and will reward. So what was Trump's behavior after you asked uh, him the question? Because I, when I was tuning into some of the first coronavirus briefings, there were some reporters or journalists that he did not really treat as well as other presidents may have in a briefing. What was that like going, well, going to the White House and um, knowing that reporters had been dismissed by him before? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, well I, I had been covering the White House for uh, uh, eight years under President Obama. I went to the briefings every day, uh, and I asked many questions. Um, I had been there for the, this, so this was the third year of the Trump presidency. I had been there at news conferences before, and I'd asked questions of Sean Spicer or um, um, Susan um, uh, blank. <laughs> um, Huckleberry, um, not Huckleberry, you know, the, yeah. the one who's running for governor now, Kentucky. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm blanking on her last night. It's too bad. And then, but this was the first time I had a chance to ask that Susan, uh, uh, President Trump directly. And I must admit, uh, Ezra, I'll be honest with you, I was a little nervous because he knows me. He knows I'm a liberal. He knows I'm not necessarily a fan of his. And I'd seen what he'd done and, and said to other reporters, attacking them as racist or stupid or whatever, right? Um, so the question I asked was, this was early on, that I, and they were encouraging everybody to go out and get tested. And I asked if undocumented people can go and get tested without being turned over to the immigration authorities and sent back to Mexico or sent back to Latin America. Or can they be confident that, that it'll be private, right? And, and, and they'll be safe. And I was very surprised when the president, his response was, 
that's a fair question. And he turned to the panel to see who wanted to answer it. And the Surgeon General tried to answer it, but did not answer it. The Vice President tried to answer it, did not answer it. And then the President himself said, I'll answer it. Yes, he said, anybody who can come and get tested without being turned over to law enforcement authorities, even people who are undocumented. And for Donald Trump, that was a big change of policy because he was very much anti-immigrant. But in that case, he was saying, on this pandemic, we are going to treat everybody equally. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was very good of him. That was, that was the right answer. But I was surprised that he didn't go after me. <laughs> Did he stand up to his word? And uh, do you know if he followed through with that? I did, I did check on that a couple of times to the extent that I know, yes, they did, they did, that was, they were true to their word. Yes, good question. In November, um, Biden won after uh, days of counting, uh, much more than usually takes place um, in a normal election. So what events led to Biden's victory in the election, not only with the pandemic, but what other events kind of damaged Trump's uh, presidency? Um, I think it was largely the, <laughs> I think it was two things. Uh, first of all, I have to say, I think it was Joe Biden and his political skill. I mean, he's, Joe Biden sensed the moment. He knew that the American people were concerned about the virus, that they were afraid. Um, that they were looking for somebody who would set an example. And so he stayed home in his basement and everybody made fun of him. And a lot of Democrats said, Joe, you gotta get out of the basement. You gotta run around the country. You have to hold rallies. And Biden knew that was not the right approach. Biden knew that people were looking for leadership and, and the leadership in that case was being safe and very cautious. So I have to give Joe Biden credit most importantly, for his political skills and his message. Um, but where I think what hurt the two events that hurt Donald Trump and helped Joe Biden were one, again, Trump's total lack of leadership uh, on the pandemic and failure to take it seriously, and the economic stress and the economic crisis that followed from the pandemic. The two of them were linked. But as so many people, so many businesses shut down, so many restaurants closed down, as so many people lost their jobs, the economy sank. So you had the pandemic and the economic crisis as a result of the pandemic. And the two of those, I think, really tanked Donald Trump and helped Joe Biden. How have COVID regulations and uh, getting a vaccine been politicized through all of the pandemic? Well, unfortunately, it has been, it was, and still to a certain extent is politicized, which I think is really unfortunate. Look, th this is a matter of public health. We are all at risk. And at that time, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, we all should be doing everything we can to protect ourselves and to protect our fellow citizens, period. And that's the American thing to do. That's a patriotic thing to do. But because Donald Trump, again, did not show any leadership, he would not say for a long time, go out and get vaccinated. He, didn't, he would never say, go out and wear a mask. 
And, you know, wearing masks does protect people. We've seen that. It works. Uh, it works in many ways. I, look, I, I, a lot of people tell me this. It works to protect yourself against the virus. It works to protect against a common cold. I haven't had a common cold for a year and a half. A lot of people haven't had a cold for all that time because why we've been wearing masks. So why should it be a Republican or Democratic thing, whether or not you're protecting your health or protecting other people? Why would wearing a mask be considered to be unpatriotic? No, it was a patriotic thing to do. Why would it have, if they, if they saw you wearing a mask, they would assume that you're anti-Trump. Or if you weren't wearing a mask, you were pro-Trump. That's crazy. I mean, this is one time where, again, the president's traditional leadership to say, this has nothing to do with politics, folks. We don't care whether it's a red state or a blue state or you're Republican or Democrat or liberal conservative. We're all Americans together. We're in this together. And we all want to survive and protect ourselves. And that's the way it should be. And unfortunately, there's still some people today, some Trumpers today, who think they're doing the right thing by not getting vaccinated. And um, they're, putting, they're still putting themselves, people around them, and their loved ones and their families at risk. Do you think that Biden is handling uh, large issues like the border crisis better than Trump, or does he still have lots of work to do with those crucial issues in involving national security and border security and, and, and issues like that? Look, he's only been there just a few over, a little over 100 days. He's got, uh, Ezra, he's got a lot of work to do on a lot of issues. He is, he's just getting started on everything, right? Here's, but I'm impressed so far with what he's done on the pandemic, what he's done in, we're vaccinating over 2 million people a day, over, it's about 70% of the American population now have had at least one vaccine. Businesses are reopening. Now you can take your mask off, particularly when you're outside. Um, he's really turned, Donald Trump said we've turned the corner on the vaccine or on the pandemic. We never did under him. We have turned the corner uh, under Joe Biden. He also has uh, gotten the first major stimulus bill through the Congress, which is a big, big plus for him. But on every front, I would say on the economy, still on the pandemic, on the foreign, on foreign policy, on the border, on climate change, on things like raising minimum wage, childcare, uh, getting, um, tuition-free community college. A lot of things that Joe Biden talked about, he's got a long way to go. He's just getting started. Here's the difference, I think. And I think this is what the American people sense. This, this guy, Joe Biden, knows what he's doing. He knows how government works. He's got a plan. He's set a goal. And he's hard at work every day. And he doesn't BS the American people. He tells you what he's going to do. And then he gets down and tries to do it. And he wants to work with Republicans to get things done. He's shown that with the meetings that he's had at the White House. He's met with as many Republicans as he has Democrats. But Joe Biden is also very pragmatic. He's very practical. And he knows time is, time is moving on. And if Republicans don't cooperate, then he'll just do it without them. So I think the big difference is the American people know uh, this is a guy that you can trust. He knows what's happening. What's, he knows what's going on under the hood of your car, and you can trust this mechanic to fix it and get it running again.
Okay, can you define cancel culture? <laughs> uh, I want to be careful the words I use on your podcast, particularly because your podcast shows on the radio. But cancel culture, I think, is t it puzzles me too. It's total BS, I think. Basically, what it means is that any, anybody who says anything that you don't like about somebody you like or some product you like, then it's identified as cancel culture. But it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, for, <laughs> um, and Republicans particularly are total hypocrites at this. Last week, they devoted hours in the United States House of Representatives where the Republicans one after one got up and gave a speech saying, oh, this is terrible. They canceled Dr. Seuss. No, for, I mean, I, I don't spend too much time. Nobody canceled Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss's family said that some of the things that he drew early on were pretty, were, were not cool. They're pretty stereotypical racist. And they were not, they made the decision, not the government. They made the decision they were not going to publish those couple of books anymore. So that was cancel culture. But, so they made these speeches, Pepe Le Pew, Goya Foods, Dr. Seuss, Miss Piggy, oh my God, all these things have been canceled. And then the next day they met and canceled Liz Cheney. So I mean, who's the cancel culture? They've canceled Mitt Romney, George W. Bush, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and anybody who voted to impeach Donald Trump, they canceled them themselves, and then they complain about the cancel culture. So, I mean, I think the, it, it's, I think the phrase is meaningless, to tell the truth. And people just throw it around, um, actually, as an excuse for having an original idea. Because of these things in the Republican Party, some Republicans have threatened to split from the party, specifically um, a group of about 100 prominent Republicans. And that was announced, uh, I think, last Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so do you think that this, is, this can be seen from a wider spectrum with the American people? And what does this mean for the Republican Party? Um, I think, it, first of all, um, this group you mentioned is called the Call for American Renewal. Um, Christine Todd Whitman, they were all about 150, right? Leading Republicans. A lot of them former government officials. Christine Todd Whitman, maybe the first, first most famous, the former governor of uh, New Jersey. Um, they include um, some people who are in the Trump campaign and some people who are in the Trump White House. Um, they include um, former members of Congress. And for my next podcast, here's my plug, uh, I interview former Congresswoman Barbara Comstock from Northern Virginia, a Republican who's one of the ones who signed this document. Um, that'll be posted on Tuesday, May 18. Um, and I talked to her about this. And what they're trying, what they're saying is they want to get the Republican Party back to what it used to be, the party of ideas, the party of policy, and not a personality cult or not a religious cult around Donald Trump. And they think that embracing the big lie that Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, won the 2020 election. 
and the big lie that the January 6th insurrection was nothing but a visit of tourists, normal tourists, to the United States Capitol. They think that embracing that big lie is going to hurt the Republican Party down the road, not help it. Now, Lindsey Graham and other people feel differently, right? Kevin McCarthy, they think you've got to stick with Donald Trump. That's the future of the Republican Party. So to your question, the Republican Party is in the middle of a civil war right now. Uh, really. And is it, does it go forward? The question is, to tell the truth, that's Liz Cheney, Barbara Comstock, Christine Todd Whitman, or sell the lie. And that's Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, and others. And um, I don't know whether the party survives. Somehow they're going to have to work this out. Um, and um, Christine Todd Whitman, I mean, Barbara Comstock told me today uh, that she thinks it's very possible, very easy for Republicans to disagree with Donald Trump and still get reelected. Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz say, if you disagree with Donald Trump, there's no way Republicans can get reelected. And they gotta, they gotta work that out. Right now they are, as we say in politics, they are eating their own. So I asked Barbara Comstock today, I suggested, well, why don't you guys all just become Democrats? Forget the Republican Party, just become a Democrat. We'll take you, become a moderate Democrat. We'll welcome you in. They don't what? want to do that. They don't want to. <laughs> well, Bill Press, thank you so much for, talk, uh, for talking to me about these current issues and what's happening in America right now. Ezra, I'm proud of you and happy to join you. Uh, have a great career and a great podcast. Bill Press is the former co-host of CNN's Crossfire, and he is now the host of the Bill Press Pod podcast, which is a podcast that he started to tape. When was that? When did you start the podcast? Uh, in June of 2020. June of 2020. it for this week's episode of News Nerds. On this week's episode, I was your host. I'm Ezra Graham. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cow Pies, and other News Nerds extras. Also there, please donate to the podcast. That helps us continue to bring News Nerds episodes. You can also listen to News Nerds on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're on those three services, please subscribe to the podcast there, and while you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We're also now broadcasting on KGVM Bozeman, 95.9 FM, on Thursdays at 5.30. We'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of News Nerds. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.